When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into a remote version of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Sorry for coming to you a little bit late, Herb. Somehow we did a pregame show. Your mic was fine. Yeah. Then the White Sox scored a shit ton of runs and your mic broke. I don't know what's going on. It's so frustrating. I hope you guys can hear me clearly. And it's the, the volume that is you're used to. But yeah, I left the settings the same way. Came back here, turned on the uh, computer. And this is how I'm sounding. The microphone in front of you, if you're watching on YouTube, is just for a show. <laughs> right to the computer it sounds all right to me all right so it's not too bad and i do appreciate uh, everybody hanging in there while we waited uh, i think we had like 40 people while we waited uh usually then people pile in once we go live because it's a white Sox winner and not only did they win they kicked the oakland a's ass 14 to 2 you love to see it herb yohan moncada went five for six with five rbis elvis andrews led off the game with the home run he went two for five elvis Got his revenge game. Uh, huge game from Jose Abreu, who extended his hit streak to 12 games. He went two for four. Aloy Jimenez went one for five with two RBIs and a home run. AJ Pollock went two for four, killing left-handers. Again, Andrew Vaughn hit a ball, uh, hit a couple balls super hard, one for five. And maybe the player of the game, Romy Gonzalez, four for five with three RBIs. And then we're not even mentioning Dylan Cease yet, who went six innings and no earned runs. They dominated this game herb what a fun one to watch just a great game and i know they've scored 13 runs on three different occasions and today's 14 runs is their season high but it felt like a complete victory and i know oakland a's aren't nothing special and this jp sears that started the game nothing special either but it's good to see people break out elvis andres has been the difference since he came here started off the game and started off the tone of the game with the home run and then yoan mancada follows him up right there with a change up. He absolutely mashed there and it kept on going. The guys just kept on hitting home runs. And I saw the stat and I know probably may have it later, but uh, the Chris Kamka stat where the White Sox had 10 extra base hits today. The thing we've been waiting for, they, we know they can hit, they can hit a bunch of singles as they lead the league in that, but to get all the extra base hits today, as they say, hitting is contagious. They didn't stop when Sears left the game. They kept on hitting versus every A's pitcher that they threw out there. 
Well, and when Paul Incorrect is coming in here and saying uh, exit velocity doesn't matter, the White Sox had 16 balls that were hit over 100 miles per hour. That equated to 14 runs. If you hit the ball hard, if you're seeing the ball well, you are usually going to hit extra base hits. So the White Sox coming in here and absolutely lighting up the scoreboard, 21 hits, as you mentioned, double-digit extra base hits. Which one was your favorite? Was it Elvis Andres' leadoff home run? Was it Yoan Moncada's first home run? What about his second home run? What about Aloy homering in two straight games? What about Romy hitting another one? Was it, you know, maybe Sebi Zavala's two doubles? Yoan Moncada almost hitting another home run, but it was a wall-scraping uh, double. AJ Pollock hit one, too. I mean, there's so many to choose from, her. Mine would have been Yoan Moncada's almost third home run. <laughs> he absolutely crushed that ball. And I was like, it's gone. It's gone. And, you know, it hit the uh, S as uh, in the uh, Bay Area sports, the S of the sports out there in Oakland. And I was like, man, he just is seeing the ball very well. I don't care. These are major league pitchers. And I know everybody, it's just the A's. Yes, they've only played the A's. This is their fourth game. So the Cleveland Guardians have played the A's a bunch. And so have the uh, Minnesota Twins. So this is the White Sox time to get uh, get fed on the worst team in the American League. They have to be on the schedule. These are Major League Baseball players, even though they don't look like it. To see the White Sox do this versus the Major League Baseball team feels good because they've played other teams that are Oakland-like, and they haven't done this well. So to feast on these guys, remember, three more games with the Oakland A's, and then next weekend, three more games with another bottom feeder, the Detroit Tigers. So you got to feast on these guys. They're on the schedule just like they're on the schedule for the Guardians and the Twins. Well, and the Sox, in the three games that they faced the Oakland A's, 10 runs against, 10 runs scored. So it was a pretty even series. What really opens it up is outscoring them by 12 runs. And here's the one thing. Vince Velasquez, get him off my damn team. This makes no sense. Why is Vince Velasquez yesterday in the eighth inning in a 7-6 to six game, and then today... When it's a 14 nothing game, maybe because they needed to get two innings, so maybe because he's the, the guy that provides length. But again, that begs the question, why is he in high leverage yesterday? He ends up giving up two runs. The White Sox, and I'm not trying to bitch too much about this game, it's just got one small little bitch uh, from me, uh, but the White Sox were leading 14 to nothing before Vince Velasquez came in. Those two runs right there would have been huge for the run differential. Minus 26 today. Uh, they score, uh, outscore the Oakland A's by 12. So the Sox sitting at minus 14 for their run differential. I was going to joke with you that the White Sox would need to outscore the A's by seven runs per game or six and a half runs per game uh, to get to a neutral run differential. And, and shit, they almost did it one game. So uh, this, is, this was a hell of a fun game. And uh, Vince Velasquez uh, ruining the vibes just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, and that's why I say yesterday it still made no sense when him coming in in the eighth inning on a one-run game and people are like, well, you got the job done. This is process over results, guys. You can't put in a guy that has a five-plus ERA in a high-leverage situation in a game you need to win and then the next day put him in for a blowout because that is the pitcher he is. In those games, that's what I want to see Josh Harrison pitch. And then, yes, then Josh Harrison gives up four or five runs – then you put somebody else in, but hell, it doesn't make any sense to put this guy in for back-to-back games. Uh, it just tells you what they really think of him. And then yesterday was a mistake on their part because today you could have saw this coming. I predicted six, nothing. You predicted five, nothing. All the people in the chat were like, they're going to win this game. There, nobody had a doubt. 
in their minds, even though Oakland has been the house of horrors for the White Sox, they no one had a doubt in their mind that Dylan Cease was going to dominate and the White Sox would find a way to get some hits. Now, five home runs, five extra base hits other than home runs, no one expected that. But this is why yesterday's move of putting Vince Velasquez in the game didn't make any sense. You could have had Kendall Graveman in that game because you know you were, for most part, weren't going to use him today. Same thing for Liam Hendricks. Yeah, and hey, let's just move away because I don't want to keep the vibes uh, low. This was a huge, huge win for the White Sox. It was extremely fun to watch. Uh, we, we'll go to Dylan Cease now because we talked a little bit about the the, the runs here and the runs scoring uh, in the first eight minutes. But we got to talk about Dylan Cease. Let's look mm-hmm. at the pitching lines tonight. Uh, on the other side, J.P. Sears, J.P. Dollar Tree, J.P. Coles. I mean, this guy stunk. Two innings pitched, six earned runs, eight hits. One walk, two strikeouts. Um, I thought his delivery would be a little bit more funky, but it was not, and none of the White Sox were fooled today. Uh, leading off the game with two home runs, that told you the White Sox were in for a fun one. Uh, like you said, we kind of saw the writing on the wall in this one. Everyone in the comments did. I mean, Clark even called Yohan Moncada having a big day, so I want to give Clark a shout-out. You called Elvis Andrew uh, having a big revenge game, so you win click to pick tonight. Uh, but Dylan Cease, we're not allowed to pick uh, pitchers, but he – clicked tonight six innings pitch for Cy cease zero earn runs three hits two walks and nine strikeouts for dylan cease won me forty dollars too points bet had a boosted odds uh for plus 200 for dylan cease over seven and a half strikeouts and a white Sox win uh that was an easy cash for me so thank you very much dylan uh but i want to talk to you about this herb in games uh since 1947 Starts where a pitcher has earned uh, allowed one earned run or less. Dylan Cease has just got number 21 on the list. The leader in that stat, Ryan Stanek uh, from the Rays in 2019. He had 25 games. Sandy Koufax also did it in 1963 at 25 games. So if Dylan's able to get four more starts like this, it'd be very, very tough. But if he gets four more starts like this, he could tie the MLB record of doing, you know, badass pitching shit here. I mean, a Hall of Famer and Ryan Stanek uh, but I think- he'd be with. I think Ryan Stanek was an opener in those games. He yes, wasn't yes. necessarily a starter. So I throw him out of there completely. To be in the same category as Sandy Koufax anytime is a great thing. So he's in that rare air. And you saw the stat that uh, Codify had where they're saying in the last 100 seasons, 19 starts consecutive, there's only been two better and, less, and fewer uh, earned runs in the 19 starts. That's Bob Gibson and Jake Arrieta. 13 earned runs in 19 starts. Jake Arrieta had 14 earned runs in 19 starts. Dylan Cease, 15 earned runs in 19 starts. So rarefied air. Jake Arrieta with that historic year he had for the Cubs when they ran for the championship and then the the subsequent other year. And then Bob Gibson, you know, the dearly departed Bob Gibson Cardinal, one of the best pitchers of all time. That's the air that he's in right now. That's how good he's been in these last 19 starts. This year is a size cease year. I know that um, Justin Verlander, the story's better. The ERA plus is better. The ERA is better. But it's undeniable right now to me that size cease, if he keeps on going on this pace, is the guy, no matter what Justin Verlander does when he comes back from injury.
if yeah, he this, does. Yeah, I mean, this is going to give him four more starts than Justin Verlander. Uh, the six innings, I think, gives him about an eight-inning uh, separation between him and Justin Verlander. Verlander has an ERA plus over 200, but Cease, I think, is at, was at 187 before this game. That's going to go above 190 uh, after today. I think, especially eclipsing over 200 strikeouts, I think only him and Garrett Cole have done that in the American League so far this year. So he really is in the driver's seat at this point. Shane McClanahan was up there. And if you look at Sierra, uh, which is skill independent, uh, earn run average, McClanahan leads the American league. And I think major league uh, in that category. Uh, I think it was, it's around 2.26 too. So it's really stupid. Dylan was around 3.33. I would assume a Sierra is probably going to go to go down after this game. Uh, but if you're looking at the analytics, um, he's getting wins, you know, I mean, 14 wins. Uh, I, I do think that you could build a case looking at all the new school analytics like Sierra, uh, ERA plus, all of the swings and misses. You could look at the old school stats like ERA, which is you know creeping closer and closer to two. All of those stats where he lines up with Bob Gibson, the historical significance of him, the fact that he is helping this White Sox team. I mean, 14 wins for this White Sox team. They need each and every one of them. I think that you can absolutely build the narrative for the Sox uh, that you know uh, that Dylan Cease is, is the Cy Young, the ace in the American League because. Every single time the White Sox have needed him, and it's been since the start of the season, he has shown up. We talked about him being a stopper in game two of this season after the White Sox lose five to four. Like you can't start off this season losing two straight to, to the Tigers. And the, the what is it, Tiger King? The Tiger King going out there and shutting down the, down the Tigers. He's been doing it all season. And, you know, he's had his ups, he's had his downs, but, you know, he had his ups and or he had his downs in May, and then it's really just been all up from here. I mean, he's just been so poised, so confident, and it's been fantastic to watch him pitch. Uh, second uh, year having 200-plus strikeouts, and I think that he's now just looking at like Ed Walsh and Chris Sale uh, for most uh, strikeouts or seasons with strike 200-plus uh, strikeouts in a season uh, in franchise history. So, uh, you know, he's chasing his history. He's chasing greatness at this point. And we could see, like, I don't know if the White Sox are going to keep him on the schedule. We talked about that yesterday. The next start is versus the Colorado Rockies at home. That could be a start where he gets a couple more strikeouts and another shutout outing. Or he can go against the Cleveland Guardians in a game that the White Sox really need, a makeup game in Cleveland, and shut them down and have a really marquee game for the White Sox as they are trying to catch the Cleveland Guardians right now, a game and a half behind them as we speak because of their win today in Cleveland not playing. They're tied with the Minnesota Twins, who also won versus the Yankees today. So if he pitches that marquee game versus the Guardians, I think that would be even more of a boost to his Cy Young candidacy. You know, beating the Rockies and beating the A's doesn't look really good on a resume at the end of the game because people – in the comments and people in the uh, national voting would be like, Oh, you know, the A's and the Rockies. But if you beat the guardians in a game that you need, people will uh, turn an eye and say, Hey, you need that game. You stepped up and you won that game. And it was part of you guys winning the AL central. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know, exactly if the white Sox are going to care about Dylan Cease's Cy Young narrative. No. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to set it up like that. And I was talking to our guy, Alex Rude, and he said, you know, maybe they would flip Giolito and Lynn because uh, Lynn is behind Gio in that 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 starting rotation. So maybe they'd flip Gio and Lynn uh, and then they would have a Lynn starting in that Guardians game. So maybe that's what they do. I I'm not sure. But I think we've mentioned I mean, Vinny's mentioned that the White Sox are looking to get 
uh, some rest for Dylan Cease. So if they are looking to get him some rest uh, one day here, not pitching against Colorado, if Gilito gets the easier match matchup, maybe Dylan comes out uh, and is able to pitch against Cleveland. Again, it, it would fit the narrative. Or it would boost the narrative. So I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, it would help sell shirts, uh, and I'm down to sell those shirts because that's a sick graphic. And if we're selling shirts, that means people are getting hyped up. And I'm excited about the White Sox. I just want to, I just want to ease into this for a second. I know I don't, it's it's murky waters here. They're one and a half games back. I'm being bitter on Twitter and have been, but this is the best I've felt about the White Sox all year. The home runs are there. The pitching has been fantastic. If Lucas Giolito is giving me the most problems of the White Sox rotation, I'm honestly going to be fine with it. I expect it for him uh, this year. I, I mean, I didn't expect this uh, going into this year, but what we've seen, I, I expect him to be at least a guy that can keep you in the game. Uh, I mean, I don't remember too many games where Lucas Giolito has absolutely let the White Sox get away with it. You could probably say the Astros game, but I think he only allowed nine runs in that game and the, <laughs> the Astros ended up scoring 12 more. So it wasn't really uh, Lucas Giolito's fault on that one. So I, I really do feel good about the Sox. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Tony La Russa and the rumors about him coming back. Uh, and I did see some people saying like, don't even talk about Tony tonight. Cause I'm feeling about uh, good about the vibes. Uh, but I did like the one thing uh, that we heard from uh, Jason Benetti, basically mm -hmm. saying Miguel, Miguel Cairo brings energy and connectivity into that clubhouse. And you really do feel some energy on, on this White Sox team. And it's probably tough to judge in a 14 to two game that starts off with back-to-back -back home runs because guys are going to be juiced and amped no matter what. But the fact that they're coming off of a two, uh, a two, uh, a two out of three uh, win uh, series win in, in, in uh, the, against the Mariners after they just had a great uh, series win against the guardians, they were red hot. Uh, the fact that you're able to go into Seattle get that win, come back against Luis Castillo, and not have a lull at all. You took advantage of a team. You kicked their ass. It feels so good right now where the Sox are. I know it's not perfect. I know they're not in first place. But right now, sitting where we are, 70 and 68, this is the best I've felt about the White Sox all year. Me too. And I've been saying, like, we haven't seen that team that we see, we've been promised at the beginning of the year. Finally, I think this is the actual team that – you've been promised even during that six game running streak versus the Cubs and the Red Sox. It was good, but it was the Cubs and the Red Sox. The White Sox didn't play particularly well in those, in that six game winning streak. These games that they played versus the Mariners, the Sands, the Tuesday start, I think where they lost three to nothing. They've played well, they've played good baseball and beating the Mariners on the road, how they did and how hot the Mariners were is a big time step. And yeah, the Oakland A's are nothing um, to be impressed with, but they did exactly what you need to do to the A's. Beat the shit out of them. Now, they need to continue that. I know people are like, oh, don't leave some for tomorrow. That's garbage. Stomp them when you can, and then stop them again tomorrow. They have the opportunity to do that because this whole A's pitching staff and that offense is trash. The White Sox are feeling good about themselves. They should be feeding off of that energy they got from the Mariners series and Today's victory, I feel like a sweep is nothing. A sweep is the only thing now after seeing that game today is the only thing that I will be satisfied after Sunday's game. Well, and they had a players only meeting to have fun. What is Vinny telling us the locker room is saying that's going to turn around this team is if they start winning. Winning is fun, right? That's what Ozzie Guillen said. That's what Boris and Bernstein told uh, to turn into a whole, you know, little bit uh, on their show, uh, Friday Funk. Uh, winning is fun, fun, uh, fun, uh, 
fun is winging, uh, winning, uh, right? You know, if you are looking at the A's on the schedule right now, you should be looking at four wins. I mean, you should be amped up seeing the A's on the schedule. And I guess that's what we say when we're like, oh, the Sox have the easiest schedule here on out out of the Twins and Guardians and Sox. Like, they have the easiest route. Because if you look at, like, the Oakland A's on your your schedule or you look at the Colorado Rockies on your schedule, you should say, oh, baby, there's two wins. Let's mm-hmm. get up and go. Like, I, I mean, there should be no hesitation for the Sox. You're not facing any aces out here. Here, James Caprillion is the best pitcher you're going to face this series. Maybe Cole Irwin, but you're able to beat him when he was in your crib last time. You won four to one. Aloy was able to get a home run off off of him. Um, you know, I mean, like these guys you have seen before. This should be nothing that is intimidating. After seeing this game, I'd be disappointed with anything but a sweep. I, Shirak Bobby was asking a little bit earlier, sweep. Like I, I think the Sox, after seeing today, they should not take their foot off the gas pedal at all. If you want to have fun in that clubhouse, if you want to keep the vibes up, let's go. I mean, you, you, you prove that each and every inning today, you could go out there and keep the momentum going. Do not take your foot off the gas pedal at all. Shove it down their throats. Stomp on their throats. Keep talking that shit you were talking last year and back it up because this window shouldn't be closing. And if the White Sox don't actually make it to the playoffs, you know that window is going to be looking all broken and tattered and torn. Go out and finish the job win this division, and give yourself the chance to fight for something in October. Couldn't agree more. I think these guys are hungry for it. And I don't know if it's the Miguel Cairo thing because I don't know if there's a control there. But, yeah, you saw how the team plays under Tony. And then maybe it was just going to happen anyways. And the having Tony go down was, you know, they're playing the Royals at that time. They lost the first game where they thought Tony was going to manage. And then – since then, they've been unstoppable. They've been great. Maybe that was going to happen anyways. But I see fans and people who are out there. It's like, hey, man, they've been playing well under this guy, Miguel Cairo. And, yes, Gordon was not and he was not making it veiled at all. He was saying that the White Sox should not have Tony Lewis to come back. He says what Miguel Cairo is bringing is what the White Sox need, a little life, a little energy, consulting probably with the analytics department using those people. And that's why yesterday's move to have Vince Velasquez in the eighth inning is always, you know, confusing to me, but it seems like he's more collaborative. It seems like the team's having more fun and that could be because the team is hitting more. Maybe a switch was hit with Miguel Cairo being in replacing Tony LaRusso. We've seen comments from um, Liam Hendricks talking about, we're not going to play this old Tommy baseball and you can't help but to look and say, he, he must be talking about the 77, 78-year-old manager that is out with the illness right now. So you, if you go there, yeah, maybe the, the players are like, Tony was the reason. And in public, they're giving the good comments and saying, hey, we still love Tony. Tony's not the reason why we're losing. But in, in private, they're like, yeah, Tony's fucking us up. And having this new blood in Miguel Cairo is making us feel and sound and look better. And we're playing better. Yeah. And well, let's talk about it. I mean, that's going to be the next segment we jump into. But first, we got to let you know about PointsBet. This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to more live football markets markets than ever before. And we want to let you know, too, uh, if you are a new user to PointsBet, 
You download the app, use code CHGO, and if you deposit $51 or more and bet $51 or more pregame or live on the Bears-Niners game this Sunday, you will get the opportunity to choose from our CHGO Bears collection. We have the zip-up hoodie or the crew neck sweatshirt. You get to choose there. You also get the QB1 shirt and a yearly CHGO membership along with two risk-free bets up to $2,000. It's a fantastic deal so make sure you download the points bet app today use code chgo and take advantage of this fantastic offer the best deal in town just got even better so download the app today and sign up with code chgo to get two or three bets up to two thousand dollars if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services and herb you used game time I you do. were you were hanging out with the the game time people in Atlanta. You used their great website, their great app, and got a great deal to the Braves game. If you want to go and see the Bears, maybe in Soldier Field for one last time before they go to Arlington Heights, I was looking up tickets on the Game Time app, and I saw, you know, lower bowl tickets for about two hundred dollars, and that would be a great deal right there. Game time will hook you up with the hottest tickets in town. So download the app, the hottest ticket ticketing site uh, in the world uh, that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports concerts and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in your seat, you've never thought of you could uh, there's 50 yard line, the court side behind home plate, four seats at a concert. It's possible with game time app. The biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats. You thought can never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on white Sox tickets. Bears tickets, Bulls when they start up, Blackhawks. So download the Game Time app today. It was created by fans for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest prices. Herb dealt with that and their fantastic support team. He got the deal on Game Time, then saw a little bit later on that the number was a little bit lower on a different site, and he got his money back plus 10. So uh, that is what Game Time can offer you, the lowest tickets available, the lowest price tickets available out there to whatever event you want to go to so if you love chgo then you'll love game time the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events uh herb let's talk about tony larusa let's talk yep. about miguel cairo i have one question and this question came to me last night if tony larusa doesn't return to the, the dugout and we'll talk about if he will or when he might if tony doesn't return to the White Sox dugout and the White Sox win the World Series, does Tony LaRusso win the World Series, quote unquote? Even if Miguel Cairo is the acting manager. He does. I mean, technically he does because acting managers do not get credit for these wins. So these wins that Miguel Cairo are, is getting all are going to Tony LaRusso's ledger. These are all Tony LaRusso's wins. So yeah, and he'll be his third team he'll win a World Series with. And that would be a record, I believe, uh, winning three yeah. World Series with three different clubs. So, yeah, I would give Tony LaRusso credit, even though he wouldn't be here. He gets the credit for the White Sox winning the World Series. Now, we're talking about Fantasyland right now with the White Sox winning the World Series. They're playing well, but right. I don't know if they're not close to the – To I used to say they're not close to the Yankees. They're still not, even though the Yankees are playing like garbage. They're not close to the Astros. They're not close to the Braves. They're not close to the Mets or the Dodgers. Hey, I'm just as a guy with a Braves ticket for the futures for the World Series at plus eleven hundred. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna oh. argue with, with that. But what I'm gonna say is, man, seventy seven years old, yep. Miguel Cairo, and the team is vibing right now. I'm kind of with Gordon. 
you know, I, I, I kind of liked Gordon on the broadcast. I don't know if I want him to replace Stoney whenever Stoney retires. Um, and I did like Christo O'Keefe's tweet basically saying this is like Gordon's therapy session because <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a lot of like, oh, man, the ball player I could have been if I did this differently or that differently. It's like, all right, Gordon, we knew you were a, a first round traffic buddy. I'm sorry it didn't go your way. You, you, I the, feel the, Gordon. Yeah, I feel uh, the, exactly like that because like he had a great first year of his career. And mm-hmm. I was like, man. Gordon's going to go places. And then he fell off the table after that second year or during that second year and never recovered. And he was saying, he was like, I wish I was sent down to the minors earlier in my career. He was like, he, he, he said he didn't get sent down to the minors until he was 31 years old. Yeah. That's, that's it, insane. Yeah. The White Sox just kept on saying, oh, like, it's going to be here. It's kind of like this White Sox season. Like, oh, it's going to be there. Gordon's going to find a way. Gordon's going to find a way. And it never did. And he never became the guy that he was his first year. I think most of his first year, he played third base. Yeah. And he was decent at it, too. Yeah, he was decent at it. Um, I, I mean, I loved Gordon. I loved him. And I, he, he was uh, I, the first time I was introduced to him, I just heard the walk up song and i was really big into listening to uh vh1 and the top one hit wonders of the 80s and uh i was a little outfield fan loved your love i think that was the top 41 you know it was top 40 not top 20 but it was it, it got its credit right and i was like oh gordon beckham's my favorite player i got one of those cheap fake china jerseys uh my dad got off the truck you know and it said beckham but it was like a weird 15 authentic man i loved gordon beckham man and the fact that he stunk Made me sad, and, and it makes him sad too. The song is one broadcast. of my favorite songs about infidelity ever. What's your top three infidelity songs, Herb? Go. Uh, let's see. That one is definitely number one. I got to think about my other two right. infidelity songs. Um, Before He Cheats is pretty good. I, I like that one. That one's cathartic from Carrie Underwood. I know it's country mm-hmm. and new country, but yeah, it is pretty nice. I'm not sure. Oh, oh, <laughs> As We Lay by uh, I think it's uh. Jennifer Murdoch, as we lay, it's an old '80s song. Okay, nice, nice uh, infidelity song. What about uh, what about "Lips of an Angel"? Uh, that one, that one uh, by Hinder. That one, I think, is an infidelity song. And I'm not too fond of the song, but the only song that's coming to my head is "It Wasn't Me" by Sh- Shaggy and Rick Rock. Yeah. Oh, that one. And I was thinking uh, the the bad guy who sung in Space Jam, uh, Steven's favorite movie. Uh, he has a cheating song, right? The bad guys. Oh, Seal? No, not Ooh. Seal. He's he he's uh, he, oh, I think he's R. a. Oh, R. Kelly. Yeah, R. Kelly. I didn't want oh, to say yeah, Trapped in the Closet. Yeah, he has I mean, a that whole was, series. It's a whole like epic series. I don't want to give him. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to give him credit. I guess oh, no, the 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 raping and the the molesting of kids is a bad thing, but the music was all right. Let's move on. All right. Um, what were we even talking about? Oh, final thing on, on Gordon Beckham. Uh, I loved how they're showing Elvis Andrews on the broadcast and they're talking about how Elvis Andrews played for the Oakland A's and this season, he's still tied for second for most war this season. And Gordon literally says about wins above replacement quote, he's a winning player. I don't know how to quantify that Gordo. It's on the fucking screen. It's called wins above replacement. If he's a winning player and has a positive number, that probably means he contributes to a winning team. Elvis Andrus having a 1.6 war with the A's and having a one war with the White Sox mean that his 2.6 war would be an above average MLB player, meaning he is a winning player. 
I, I know that Gordon doesn't need to know war and how it's calculated and what it means and what it stands for because he understands how hitters hit and write and what hitters see. I totally understand why he has that job. But man, I just wanted to call into who you're crap who you're crapping and light up Gordo on that one. What are you talking about? It's in the damn name of the stat, Gordon Beckham. Who are you crapping? Yeah, and he was uh, also talking about like how hard he hit the balls. His dad was telling him, like, you hit the balls really hard in 2011, 2012. It's like, goddamn, like you were three years or four years off because of StatCast starting. And if you would have had that quantified, people like Sean and I would have been on there like, you know what, Gordon's hitting just some bad luck, man. This Bobip is like 335, but he's hitting the ball. That was like 110 off the bat. So, yeah. right. Gordo uh, should be embracing. Like, Gordo... And Hawk Harrelson, people who detest or do not embrace analytics should be embracing it because it'll make their career even better than it was. Well, and listening to Gordon, I I, I don't know if you got this vibe, but you've listened to this guy a ton just because you work so many Sox radio games. Does Gordon remind you of DJ at all, the way he calls a game? Um, I got not, DJ vibes. Uh, not, I mean, just the ex-baseball player thing, but... Gordon's a little bit more self-deprecating than DJ is. DJ will ne- barely talk about his career as being a, you know, uh, what was me? I feel like I regret what my career was. DJ felt great about his career, even though it wasn't, you know, uh, explosion, explosion, great career. He had his best career, I think, or best year with the White Sox in 94. It was a pretty solid year. And then he went to Japan after the uh, strike and had good years over there. But, like, I think DJ and Ed, they had a good chemistry. They played off each other. And Jason's good to doing that, but they don't have the chemistry as yet that Ed and DJ had. So I don't hear it yet. You might hear it, and, you know, it might be uh, more uh, apparent to you, but I can't hear it yet. I just think DJ's a one-of-a-kind guy that people don't like, but I like the banter him and Ed had. And I love the banter that him and Lynn are starting to get, and then when Connor steps in, too. Yeah, my first Sox games were were Hawk and DJ. So I'm a, I'm a huge DJ guy. I'm a huge Hawk guy. I'm a huge DJ guy. I mean, that's baseball to me, as are those two. And, and when Darren Jackson went to the radio booth, I was like, why are they getting rid of DJ? He's so good with Hawk. Um, and, and then Steve Stone came over. I didn't really understand who Steve Stone was. Now looking back at it, I think they made the right call. Steve Stone's pretty good. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I just think that I've listened to more DJ now with Len. So maybe he's got a different vibe with Len than he did with Ed. So maybe I'm just picking up more on DJ 2022. Uh, maybe that's what I'm going with, but eh, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to listen to a little bit more of uh, DJ. Anyways, let's get into the Tony LaRusso news. This is from John Heyman in the New York post uh, today. What most White Sox fans, at least according to our comments, does not or do not want to hear uh, Tony LaRusso hoping for White Sox return soon. Quote, going to be okay. Tony LaRusso quote is going to be okay. Said friends following an extensive medical checkup word is he's hoping to be back managing the White Sox as nearly as next week after he stepped away from the team with an unspecified health issue. LaRusso is hoping to attend Dave Stewart's number 34 retirement ceremony in Oakland Sunday before rejoining the White Sox. The 77 year old hall of famer was having a rough year with the White Sox who remain firmly in the AL central race. The twins have 17 players hurt in the who? John? Woo-hoo. Who? The Guardians lost two starters in the last week. So the White Sox remain in the postseason mix. Um, and if you want to also, also just, just a notifier, uh, Dave retire, uh, Dave Stewart's uh, number four, uh, 34 retirement ceremony in Oakland uh, will be the White Sox game. So basically, Tony can just hitch a ride with the Sox back to Chicago. And get back to John Heyman. 
Yes, he might have made the mistake, but also, aren't there editors at the New York Post? Let's go. Seriously, what? how the fuck does someone slip up like that? Uh, I don't understand how that got by an editor, how that got by – I mean, maybe I understand why I got past John. Uh, but just like, what? Who? Why? It's been over a year. John, you're a baseball writer. And I think that also um... – if Tony does come in back for the retirement ceremony, there'd be no way in hell that he wouldn't be in uniform. Like, how do you go to Dave Stewart's retirement ceremony at the te- at the field where your team's playing and say, you know what, I'm going to sit up in the booth. I'm going to chill out. But, guys, can I get a ride back to Chicago? Because I'm going to manage on Tuesday versus the uh, Rockies. Cool? Cool. Break. Right. I, I, I don't know, um, to be honest with you. I, I think that... I I don't know. I, I don't I have no idea what's gonna happen with this herb. I read that headline and I think that it's again it's it says it says friends and I don't know who John's source is. If it was Bob, I think it would probably be coming from Jerry or Tony himself. I'm not sure who John's source is. So I'm not surprised that he'd be at Dave Stewart's retirement ceremony. I think he will be there as Tony La Russa and not the White Sox manager, Tony La Russa. And then I think he'll rejoin the team once they come back to Chicago. Um, I think it will definitely be an awkward flame, plane flight. Hopefully they won and have swept the Oakland A's. So, it, you know, Tony's all happy and, and they could be all, you know, pumped up on the, on the plane flight. But, yeah, I, I'm not shocked that Tony would be at Dave Stewart's thing, whether he's managing the White Sox or not. Dave Stewart's a huge person in his life. When Tony had whatever happened to him on that Tuesday before the game where he had to be pulled from managing the White Sox and Miguel Cairo stepped in, um, Dave Stewart was his guest of honor at the game. So Dave Stewart means a ton to him uh, in his life, was uh, a huge part of Tony LaRusso's baseball managerial career, uh, was Dave Stewart's longtime manager. So it's no shock that he'd be there. Um, It's just funny that it coincides with the White Sox playing the A's and the A's probably lined that up because Tony would be managing. So he didn't have to fly out of town and that he would already be there, you know? So it's just funny that those things lined up, but Tony's not here. Um, So yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen. I just think that the players, no matter what, if they think it, if they think that they play better under Miguel Cairo, for whatever reason, they feel like the clubhouse looser, whatever is the difference. They express that to Tony. When he comes back, because this is going to happen. I mean, you don't set up articles with, especially with John Heyman, and set the tone for it coming back. Steve Stone going on the score saying he's coming back, unless Tony's coming back. So the players and those nine leaders, whatever that, whatever have you, need to come to Tony and say, "Hey, this is what we did differently when Miguel Cairo was here. We did this, that, and the other. We want to continue doing that while you're here. And I know you're the guy, but hell." we had success when you were gone. So either you step away or we're going to be doing the same things that Miguel is doing. And maybe Miguel, like he was getting collaboration with the other staff, you can be a little bit more mindful. You could be a little bit open-minded and not be saying, Hey, I got the, the skins on the wall. I don't need to listen to all the rest of these people and be a little bit more open-minded to getting help from Ethan Katz, getting help from the analytics department, getting help from Shelly Duncan and, and the like. And right. also I saw David talk about human leagues, human. I only hear the part while we were apart, I was human too. So they were apart. So infidelity is maybe not on the table there. Maybe the man cheated. The girl did not cheat on him. I got it. Number one song about cheating tempted by squeeze. 
That's the yeah, best it's one. A, oh, it's a, it's a great song. Tempted I love that song. By the fruit of another. Uh, it's probably my karaoke song. Um, <laughs> uh, going to Tony, though, I, I did want to go to this one uh, comment from our guy Sox Hap, who says White Sox have a run differential of plus 31 when Miguel Cairo is managing. I agree with you. If Tony's going to come back into this this clubhouse, they get they just has to ride it out. Whatever Miguel Cairo has been doing, just do it, right? If you're really taking all of these losses to heart, if you're stressing out about the game so much, just take a deep breath. Chill, Tony. It's baseball. It's supposed to be America's pastime. And clearly, if you're not being a hardo, uh, uh, just an absolute, just, uh, I don't even know, like masochist for baseball. I mean, this guy needs to win. And he mm-hmm. takes losses to heart. Like, dude, you're 77. Chill out. You've been part of 44 fucking baseball seasons in your life managing and so many more as a player you obviously understand that there's going to be ups and downs and players obviously want to see you as the manager taking the game seriously but you're taking this seriously level is hurting your health and Miguel Cairo who's coming in with energy coming in being all congenial they're clearly responding well Uh, I don't want to say in just a nine game or ten game uh, stretch here it's a very small sample size that the White Sox will turn it around and the White Sox are turning around because he's gone uh, but I do think that the Sox you know clearly like this light energy a little bit more and I thought it was interesting that Jason Benetti mentioned that Miguel Cairo has been playing since 2012 Tony LaRusso's last season was 2011 and he was like you know maybe Miguel Cairo can you know, relate to both the newer and older baseball players on this team, where if you look at Tony LaRusso's last team that he managed, there are some active players on it, but Yadi Molina, old as hell, Albert Pujols, old as hell, uh, Adam Wainwright, old as hell, also reincarnated in Jimmy Lambert in the White Sox bullpen, uh, and Lance Lynn, uh, old as hell, um, but on this White Sox team. And and clearly, you know, Miguel Cairo, uh, I think that they were teammates as well. So um, I just think that, Tony has a really good job of being respected. I, I think he he clearly draws respect from the White Sox clubhouse, but I don't know if they respond to him. And I think that's something that's completely different. I would love to see the White Sox roll with Miguel Cairo. We have said that managers don't matter, and I don't think they do. So that's why I think you could put anybody in there, and as long as it's working and it's not broke, don't fix it. It's why you didn't touch your damn mic set uh, in between games. It just mm-hmm. happened to break. That's when you go in and fix something. Right now, it's not broken. The White Sox are playing well. They're responding well. And if they sweep Oakland, I would hate to see Tony La Russa return to the White Sox uh, clubhouse. As yeah, a manager. that would be the f- first time the White Sox have won four series in a row. And maybe it's by happenstance. Maybe they're just hitting their stride. But you can't take a chance on that. Tony, more than anybody, is the, all the baseball seasons he's played, knows that players are creatures of habit and superstitions come into the fold. Tony comes back and the White Sox lose one of those Colorado games and split with the Rockies. People are going to be up in arms. They mm-hmm. lose that replacement game with the, uh, the Guardians. Up in arms. If they don't win the whole damn thing, this is going to be on Tony. Why would you want to put that on yourself? Why would you want that? And as I said before, no matter what, Miguel Cairo is the acting manager. If the White Sox go on and win the World Series, this is Tony LaRusso's World Series champion. Bingo. So he could just sit back, relax, strap it down, and watch the White Sox play the way that he thought they should be playing this year and then reap the benefits of, man, yeah, Tony started the game, and maybe White Sox fans will always think of him as a loser and 
didn't uh, have this team's ear this year. But Tony will come back to the 2022 reunion game, hopefully, if he's still alive 20 years from now as a 97-year-old dude and say, hey, that third ring looks nice, doesn't it? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I got some of those wins. I got some of those wins before I left, y'all. So that's my that's my ring. Hey, as Queen Elizabeth found out today, it's tough to make it to 97 years old. Um, sorry, is that too soon? Anyways, uh, let's talk to you about Pins and Aces, their official golf apparel partner of CHGO. <laughs> we love our Pins and Aces gear, and uh, our guy Steven gets tons of compliments on and off the course. Uh, even when Steven's not putting sunblock on and going out there and getting as red as a lobster, he still looks great in his Pins and Aces apparel. So definitely Go to Pins and Aces right now and rock the best golf apparel out there. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business. We love that. And they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. Uh, when we first found out about this, we just could not shut up about it. Uh, Steven went out and purchased one immediately for his lovely, lovely Natter Days. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. When the White Sox scored seven tonight, that wasn't enough for them. They had to double that and get up to 14, all right? You're probably going to be golfing 18 uh, uh, holes, right? You're probably going to need a seven for the front nine and a seven for the back nine, all right? We know our Chicagoans. I know my Southsiders. This is the product for you folks. So check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Dot com And apparently we have 100 people watching us right now at 1 a.m. You White Sox fans are nuts. All right. White Sox Tom asked, where's Vinny today? He took a day off to go watch Stevie Nicks in concert perform the best concert uh, album she's ever been a part of. Uh, Tusk, 1979 from uh, Fleetwood Mac. It's their best album. I feel sorry for Vinny. Why? Stevie Nicks is a legend. Uh, all right. Cool. That's sounds, it? Sounds like a goat to me. All right. Yeah. Not Bad. the biggest of all time. Yeah. All right. Person, uh, a thing that eats cans. What? Goes eat cans. And, and that? greatest of all time. She's the greatest of all time. Let's, let's no, not disrespect Miss uh, Miss 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 Stevie Nicks here. All right. Uh, let's go in and talk about the Sox in September. Uh, just because Miguel Cairo, Tony LaRusso, whoever's guiding the ship here uh, needs to uh, guide the Sox well. And September has been an interesting month for the Sox. Uh, last year, they finished 93 and 69, but only went 14 and 12 in September. In 2020, they went 13 and 12 and had a final record of 35 and 25, ultimately only being the wild card and losing control of the division. In 2019, they went 12 and 14, finishing with a record of 72 and 89. 2018, 8 and 19, finishing with a record of 62 and 100. And in 2017, they did have an above 500 record at 15 and 14, but only finished at 67 and 95. Obviously, Herb, the White Sox need to have a good finish in 2022, uh, and they are 6 and 2 so far in September. So do you think they will keep this up? We obviously know uh, they need to win as many games as possible to get in control of the AL Central, but will they be able to finish it out and win some damn games here in September? I do think so. I mean, these three left versus the Oakland A's are cashed, I think. I think the White Sox are a far superior team than the A's. I'll be very disappointed if they don't get those remaining three versus the A's. And then, like I said before, they have three games remaining with the Detroit Tigers next week, who they've dominated, absolutely murdered this year. And so I count them as a two two or three games right there. And they played very well versus the Minnesota Twins, which they have 
three games left in September and then three games left in October versus them. Four out of six is not out of the question versus those Minnesota Twins. So, yeah, I see the White Sox having a much stronger September than the September numbers you put up there on the board, especially that one in 2020. I remember that the White Sox, out of the three AL Central teams they eventually went to the playoffs, they were the first to clinch and Mm -hmm. then stumbled down the line and recalled uh, Eloy getting himself hurt in Cleveland, which really hurt the White Sox going into the playoffs and then in the playoff games in Oakland where he hit the double and then had to leave immediately after that because it was way too hurt to play. Well, and remember who was the biggest goat of that Cleveland series in 2020 relief pitcher, Carlos Rodon. Mm. <laughs> like wow. he, 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 I mean, that, that season was nuts. Uh, that, that 2020 season was absolutely crazy being 60 games. Uh, you know, they still had a b- above 500 record. Uh, the Sox will need to do better than uh plus two on the, on this series in, in this September. And I think they can with just the strength of schedule. I mean, you look and, at the, the, the yeah. opponents, I think they can overcome it. And Sox hop in on uh, Chirac, Bobby bring up a good point. The Rockies for two games set at guaranteed rate next Tuesday and Wednesday should be two games that the White Sox should take. So yeah, they have a nice favorable schedule coming up and now they're actually taking advantage of it. I mean, they treated Oakland as they should have. Right. That, that's what I'm, I'm excited about. Uh, they're 10 and three against the Tigers right now. One and one against the Rockies now three and one against the A's. These are the teams that you need to beat. These are the teams that you absolutely need to crush. If they sweep the A's or at least win three out of four, if they're able to handle the Detroit series and they're able to win, you know, five of six, uh, four of six, I'd kind of hate if they were able to win five of the last six against Detroit, and if they're able to win two of uh, the last two against Colorado, uh, they will be in a very, very nice driver's seat. And all they have to do is, win uh against cleveland uh, we can look at their upcoming games here they'll have three more in oakland giolito lynn and cueto will be your starters in oakland then two games against colorado they'll have an off day on monday then on tuesday and wednesday they'll play against colorado it's slated to be Kopech and cease in those days and then on thursday the 15th it is cleveland they're at cleveland for the makeup game from august 21st and giolito is supposed to be the pitcher on that game uh, and then on friday the 16th uh, at detroit uh, it's Lance Lynn's uh, expected to be on the mound. So what would you rather do? I mean, would you flip Giolito there and have him pitch against Colorado? Or would you flip Giolito and Lynn and just move Lynn up a day and give Giolito that extra rest? I think I like Cease getting an extra day of rest, pitch it against Cleveland on the 15th, and Giolito getting one day less going up against Colorado. But that's just me. I would do that, what you just said, the latter, where you get Dylan Cease the more rest. And what I would do, too, since that is, I think, the Colorado game on Wednesday is a night game in Chicago. While it's not a long flight to Cleveland, you always worry about weather. You always worry about extra innings. So I would send um, Dylan Cease to Cleveland on Wednesday morning just to make sure he is well rested because it's an early game. It's a 12 noon central game in Cleveland. So I'll send him forward on for that Thursday game on Wednesday so he could be well-rested, fresh, have a good night's sleep in Cleveland, and he doesn't have to take the charter plane if it go, something goes wrong. As we saw with Seattle, they had a game in Cleveland where, where they were at the ballpark from 1 o'clock in the afternoon until at least midnight. Then had to take a five-hour flight to play the White Sox in the morning in Seattle and or in the afternoon in Seattle, and you saw they were sluggish that first game. They came back that second game. They're all right, and maybe that took effect them in that third game when they came up four to nothing, and then Luis Castillo just ran out of gas, and the White Sox tagged him. And so that's what you want to do. You want to have your pitcher be fresh in that game, 
and you want the White Sox to take advantage of playing Cleveland in that game for that makeup game and take a game away from them because it's very vital for the White Sox to win the season series versus Cleveland. So winning the season series, I think, means the White Sox have to win three or four. Like, you have to win three or four or all four of them to win the season series because that is the tiebreaker if the White Sox and the Cleveland Guardians end up with the same record. So Dylan C. starting that game would be my choice. They have to win all four, partner. Uh, they have are six and nine against the Guardians. Shirek Bobby says to win the game versus the Where's the Rocky? So you don't have to do that then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a seven, 10 game and then a one ten game uh, for that Rocky series on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and then for what you were talking about with um, the Cleveland series, uh, six and nine, the Sox are against Cleveland this year. Um, so if they go four and oh, they'll be 10 and nine uh, in the 19 game set that, that they played against Cleveland. So uh, very, very crucial four games against Cleveland there. Uh, and now I want to go into some fun stuff, I think. Is there anything else that I haven't covered? I, I think we can just go. Oh, no, I, this is the last thing I want to. Uh, Clark Reamer asked, how do the Sox kind of follow up blowout wins? Uh, and blowout wins are plus five runs. So this is what I've done in my very, very short scouting here. On Sunday, April 10th, they beat the Tigers 10-1, to followed that up with a victory on the 12th against the Mariners three to two then the Sox on the 15th of june won 13 to nothing in detroit they followed that up with a loss in houston 13 to three but the next day on the 18th they won seven to nothing against justin verlander the day after that though they lost four to three so you know mixed results so far then on the 28th of june they won 11 to four next day they lost four to one then on july 3rd they won 13 to four lost six to three then on July 9th, they defeated the Tigers eight to nothing. Then the next day, they won four to two. Wednesday, the 12th, they won seven to nothing at Cleveland. The next day, they won two to one. Then the next day on the 14th, they won 12 to two. One after that in Minnesota, six to two. Then on the 17th, they won 11 to nothing. That was the day right before the All Star break. So they took five days off. And then on that Friday, July 22nd, they lost eight to two. Uh, then on August 2nd, they won nine to two. The next day, they won four to one. Then on the 7th, they won 8-2, lost the next day 4-2. Then on September 1st, they won 7-1, to won the next day 4-3. to Then on the 3rd, they won 13 to nothing, lost 5-1. to So honestly, I don't know. I, I honestly bag. think it's a mixed bag, and it's mainly who their opponent is and who the pitcher is, and can the White Sox get a strong pitching performance from Lucas Giolito, and can the Sox hit James Caprillion? They should be able to hit Caprillion. He did go six innings with nowhere in runs allowed the last time the Sox faced him at the G rate, but he is nothing really special. I'm sick of the White Sox getting beaten by subpar right-handers, so I am done giving them excuses. Go kick this team's ass. You saw how woeful this lineup was. They can't do anything against Giolito. The worst that I think they can do is three earned runs. You should be able to put up at least three earned runs or more. Lucas Giolito is nothing but a mediocre right-handed pitcher. You should be able to tag him for as many runs the A's do uh, as James Caprillion. You should be able to tag Caprillion for as many runs as the A's are able to tag Giolito. And you have a better bullpen. There are no excuses for winning tomorrow. So I'm not really worried about what their pass record is uh, in blowout games because it's a different part of the season. It's, it's win-now mode. Step on their throats. Let's go. And there's no excuses for Lucas Giolito. This lineup is trash. There's absolutely very few people in that lineup that can give you problems. So for him to give up anything more than four runs tomorrow is unacceptable. You see the challenge in front of you. You see this minor league team that's playing you. Go out and shove. Do the job. One of the last times you were on that mound, you dominated in that playoff game. 
act like that guy again. Bring that guy back because anything more than that, if you're giving up five or six earned runs, you're not giving your team a chance to win. Four, I can deal with that. Five innings, four runs, it's not a great start, but it's something where you can give your team a chance to go and get James Caprillion and go and get the the A's bullpen and crack, crack those guys. So Lucas Giolito needs to have LG LG to show up tomorrow. Not medium game LG, large game. Lucas Giolito needs to show up tomorrow and trick his mind into thinking, hey, this is a big game. If I don't win this game, I'm letting my team down big time. So Amen. this is a large game today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some people have mentioned Giolito's been better on the road recently, uh, especially this year. So hopefully that still rings true. He's been then, looking a little bit more right recently. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a little all right again for him. I mean, in his last three starts, he's had an ERA of 432, which for him uh, is good. And if I'm uh, correct about this, I think he lives and him and his wife live close to UC Davis, which is only about an hour away from Oakland. So he's sleeping in his own bed tonight. There you go. He's getting a great rest. He should be fresh for tomorrow night's game, I think, or later on tonight's game. He should be good no matter what. There's no excuses for Lucas Giolito. If he pitches poorly, which we won't have a show, but we'll all be disappointed in Lucas' effort if he doesn't pitch well tomorrow. Let's all shame Lucas if he pitches bad. All right, let's wrap this all up. Uh, on Sunday will be our next show. It will be a pregame and postgame with Herb, Vinny, and special guest Matt Zawoski. I will be out. Glad Zoe finally answered our calls and will be available to join us. Uh, glad he's not dodging us anymore. So big time Zoe uh, finally going to be on the show uh, on Sunday. Excited for you to talk to him. And he was one of the first guests on Lockdown Sox, right? Yes. Yeah. Then during guest week, I think he was the actual first person that came into studio and uh, we had a great conversation. I've known Matt for a long time. The Zawaski family, of course. Jay Zawaski is a CHGO Blackhawks host. And I've known Matt pretty much after I met Jay and he got married to Hope. We went out for a bachelor party, had some uh, nice drinks up there, out there in the South Side. You know, I, I was, uh, where'd you go? Uh, what's that famous bar on the South Side? Like, uh, with the. Pork and uh, Perry? No, not that one. It's, uh, ugh, I forgot. It's like Dublin's or some Irish name. It has an upstairs. They play in some chip captain crew. It's oh, 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 oh. Uh, that is gone now. Oh, oh, well, McNally's would was be Beverly. Beverly. Yeah, not. it's in Beverly. You were going, you went to McNally's? Yeah, that's where the damn uh, bachelor party ended up at. McNally's, we went upstairs, played some ship captain crew, which is my first time and last time I've ever played that one. Yeah, I see you. Oh, cup. I'm just showing off the cup. I mean, I was just doing that for Shirek Bobby. I'm still listening to you. Um, yeah, that sucks. I mean, some, we played some, uh, what is that game? Uh, paintball out in the suburbs. And then we came <laughs> back to McNally's and uh, had a good time. Y'all are so south side with that one. I love that fucking Zawaski's bachelor party was paintball and going to McNally's. Uh, McNally, uh, I think his son was my freshman volleyball coach at Brother Ice. So I just find that hilarious that you were over at McNally's. Uh, there was also like the Dubliner or, or something like that, or the Dublin, I forget what it was, the the, the Chieftain, the Irish, the, the, something like that, and, and Alsip. I don't know if you maybe went to that, but uh, yeah, real rough. It, I don't think it was 115 Bourbon Street. That's not It Irish was not. Now. I've been there many of times. There's not an upstairs there either, right? No, yeah. there was just a, bu- a big ass. Oh, no, there, there is an upstairs, which is very small. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he went go karts in the Burma back. Street right? Regular right here. Street. Go karts. There's no go karts in Burma Street. Something? I thought there was fun. something. I got a patio. There's no go karts back there. Yeah, no no go karts. All right. Um, I'm stop- to get a different place. 
Maybe I would. I would love. I sign me up with the bo- uh, the the bar with go karts. Uh, just let me drive fun, with the intoxicated people out in the suburbs. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so the Sox right now, uh, the whole Hawkeroo saying was: you win sixty, you lose sixty, and the other forty-two Sox are at fifty wins, fifty losses, and they are twenty and eighteen in the other forty-two. Uh, so we'll see how they end up finishing out, but it's looking good right now. Final thing I wanted to talk to you about her before we have our sh- final show. Uh, we're off on Friday and Saturday. It's my socks math video. I, I, I had my so- second socks math win. I'm very, very excited about that. Thank you to Jason Benetti for giving me the hint about subtracting Ken Griffey Jr.'s home run total from Edgar Martinez's home run total. It helped me beat out Josh Nelson to get that socks math victory. So thank you very much uh, to Jason on that one. Uh, but Herb, what what do you think of my video? I thought it was awesome. I mean, mix again the unfortunate death. One's not really unfortunate. She, you know, she's ninety-seven. Ninety-six. Ninety-six. Okay, uh, of the queen, and then my video of me falling. And I've gotten confirmation from Jason Benetti. He texted me after we initially aired that uh, yeah. a couple months ago and said, "Hey, that was a great video. I loved it." Today they weren't, you know, they pretty much, you know, glossed over and didn't say anything. But because you know, probably because of the queen thing. But your British right. accent. <laughs> Is awesome. Thank you, Matt. In the video too. What's your cat's name? Uh, my cat's name is Flint. Uh, I, I originally shot it in that chair behind me, uh, but after reviewing the tape, it looked um, serial killery. Like it looked very, very like Joker, Dark Knight. Like you it know, would go along and, with some of the socks math videos, friends. Yeah, it, it wasn't it. Uh, so I ended up bringing in the cat, and it, and it just worked out. Uh, because you know, you, you take the you take the easy route of putting a cat out there, and it's gonna get likes. Uh, here's the video. Hey mate, have you heard the news? The queen bit it. Speaking of people biting it. Oh. oh. Back to you, Jason Gordon. Mate, that's not a good look for you, love. That's that's a brutal look for you, love. Scraping your knee on that rubbish. Yeah, and uh, uh, was that Steven's video or your video? That was Steven's video. I was behind uh, you. So yeah, that was Steven's, I, 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 I never get tired of hearing the scrape sound. Is oh, no, 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 and then, oh, no. And then people <laughs> concerned. And then Sean's like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, man, I was having dreams. I was sitting in my bed. I was tossing and hurting. I was like, how is this Herb video going to go? Is he actually going to beat Yasmani? And I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't fall on the concrete. Should we be doing this on the concrete? And the first run was all right. The second run was all right. And then the third run. He got about, I don't know, 20 yards. And then the then the hamstring gave on him. Oh. And down goes Herb. Down goes Herb. Down you know, goes Herb. Really I, I can't enough. believe they aired that too, Sox have. I'm, I'm shocked that they aired that. I thought they were not going to have anything to do with me mentioning the queen dying at all. Oh, that, that was awesome. I'm sure. And Lawrence Holmes loved it. Everybody on Twitter loved that video. I'm always here to be the foil and have laughs on, on my behalf. Because I really didn't get hurt that much. I mean, I still got the scrape on my arm and like the knuckle and that's pretty much it. So if, and I had people to ask me, he's like, did you do that on purpose? Like I cannot yeah. do that on purpose. If I tried a hundred times, you could like, see if you slow it, down the video, you could see your hamstring actually shooting out. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly enough, I am going, Oh, here's the, here's the full video where Steven captured it. And the, oh. Oh. I can't hear that sound. I can't hear that sound. Just the scraping of your leg. Like, it's weird. Like, I don't have, I didn't have that much of damage except for. Well, I think it was probably your shoes too. I mean, like your shoes probably made the noise. And the the long shorts I had on. But yeah, I'm going to try out playing softball for a team, my friend's team next Thursday. I was supposed to play today, 
but you know, this game got in the way. Right. Next weekend, next Thursday, when the White Sox play the Cleveland Guardians, later on that night, I'm gonna play my first softball game since that happened and see if I'm still good. I'm not gonna run fast. No, I mean, best of luck to you. I mean, hey, you're you're but, you're real the, the real injury was your your uh pride. You're all nerves and stuff. No, the nerve injury. Oh, that's happened before that ever um but before I ever fell down, so yeah, you were in more pain with that, though. I mean, like that, oh was, that was that was the worst injury. God, in I had, yeah, I've had a. I went to the doctor and I have a pinched nerve in my neck still, and it's you know it's waning now. But the day I had to take off, it was like the most painful thing I've ever had in my went, life. You went to the doctor, and now you're closer to fine. You know what I'm saying? Her little indigo girls for you. Uh, let's close out this episode before I start qu- uh, quoting more Indigo Girls. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The White Sox improved to six, 70 and 68. They're one and a half games back in the AL Central. They whopped the Oakland A's 14 to 2. Tomorrow it's Lucas Giolito versus James Caprillion. Hopefully the White Sox capture the victory and extend uh, at least, you know, Tie the series up, you know. If you win tomorrow, the worst thing you could do is tie tie the A's in a four-game set. So hopefully they can do that. Join Herb, Vinny, and Matt Zawoski on Sunday for their pregame show of the Oakland A's and White Sox game. Since it is a West Coast game and a 3.07 start time, we will have the pregame show coming to you at 2.30. So again, follow Herb on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the show. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We will talk to you on Sunday. Good night, mate.